and welcome to Fake Movie Experts, the movie review podcast that breaks down a movie franchise one movie at a time. This week, we are starting a brand new franchise because I picked it and I'm in the mood for it. So we're doing the Ghostbuster franchise. I'm your host, Joseph Lussell. I'm alongside here with Ricky Marcelli. You nailed it, Joe. It's like you've never already done this intro and hadn't had to restart. I have not because, you know, this is like the 36th time I've had to do this intro. So I am knocking it out every time. Let's not forget about, uh, you know, the key master we have here or the gatekeeper, <laughs> depending on how you want to call him. But we just call him just above average Keith Swetland. Man, how many keys do you guys have on your keychain? I've got a lot of keys. Are you guys big key um, guys? Not anymore now that I don't have to have work keys on no. my keychain. Is it when I had work keys on my keychain? I had too many keys. Big key guy. Yeah. Keys, you know. It's I got a, about like four. I think it, two, it, of, two of the houses I don't even have anymore, or it, not even my houses. Then you know, isn't it kind of crazy sometimes when you're like getting home and you have to like go through your keychain and find the right key for the door? Are we really doing a fucking keep it right now? No, it's, we, we are. It's really uh, let me annoying. ask you. Let me ask What's you. What's the deal with keys? Is that the, are we done with are we out of bits at this point? Do we just need to stop the podcast? No, we're good. Do, when Keith, when we, you put we, the key we should have in, done that you, long ago. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, when you put the key in, do you feel like someone's gonna you know you act like someone's gonna kill you, and if you drop the keys, you're murdered? Yeah, do I do all the time. like like I'm walking through a parking lot in my mind at all the time, and I'm like looking back, and the lights are kind of flickering on and off, and I'm I'm hitting the button on my panic fob, but it's not working because I'm not close enough to the car. And then I wake up. First of all, to... you need to do the expert mode. Put the keys between your fingers, so that way you've increased the the, the destruction of your punch. Okay, I have a serious key question, though. Oh my okay. god! <laughs> so, have you, have you heard about the thing where you put the key fob up to your jaw and it's supposed to amplify the range? No, that sounds no. stupid and fake. You know what's not stupid and fake? Ghostbusters. And then there's bike yeah. keys. <laughs> <laughs> That's Do right. We're sorry. Questions, Keith? Or... <laughs> yeah. Anymore? Can we move on with the show? Well, you can't introduce me as the key master and not like have me think about keys pretty hard. I can. Okay, I'll call you the ghost that does the blow job. How about that? It's pretty cool. You're dropping loads on you like, every week. Like this movie just talks about like like penises and vaginas as keys and gates, which is pretty cool. That's about a point. So Ghostbusters. the difference in rankings, considering this is a PG movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> well. It did come out in 1984. We got released on June 8th of 1984. Runtime of one hour and 45 minutes. Directed by Ivan Reitman. Uh, he's hey, directed. Say it. It's a tight 90. Loved yeah. it. <laughs> um, Ivan Reitman directed movies such as 1984 Stripes. I've seen that one. 1988's Twins. Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Uh, 1990s Kindergarten Cop. Guy really likes Schwarzenegger. 1994's Junior. Uh, Keith's favorite, 1998, Six Days, Seven Nights. <laughs> I was staring at my phone there for a minute. What are we ranking? <laughs> Everything. We're uh, just talking about the what movies the that he directed. Made, oh, right. 1998's Evolution. He didn't do Six Days, Seven Nights. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's amazing. That's why that movie rocks so hard. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, this movie stars Bill Murray as Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stantz, Sigourney Reavers, Dana Barrett, Harry Ramis as Egon Spengler, Rick Moranis, Louis Tully, Annie Potts, Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore, and the true villain to everybody's hearts, William Atherton as Walter Peck. What is his role that's outside of Ghostbusters that my brain can't comprehend? He's right the now? he's the news. He is the um, a- news anchor for Die Hard. That's what it is. I knew it was somehow <laughs> Die Hard related, but I couldn't remember what it was in Die Hard. Yeah. So bef- before we move on, this is like the third time I've watched this movie in the past two weeks yeah. because I set myself up for uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And then I watched it during recording of uh, Blade Runner 2049, which you can go back <laughs> to listen to. And then I just watched it last night. Before we jump too far ahead, that cast is so stupidly loaded. And it's not like this is intro to Bill Murray. Bill Murray's already done Candy Shack and like Stripes. some all-timer movies. Ackroyd's already done some all-timer movies. Like Sigourney Reaver's done Alien already. Yeah, she's That's already done Alien. Years. Yeah. Like, I'm Moranis. I don't, I didn't check what his dates were. I don't know if, I don't think he's done the Honey, I Shrunk the Kid movies no. yet. Next, uh, Rick Moranis did a lot of the Canadian, like uh, SCTV. So it's like that was their Saturday Night Live. So I guess this there. is Moranis's jumping off point as a movie star. But like, what is the equivalent to this casting nowadays? Because like they tried to do it with a female version, and we'll probably dive way deeper into that when we do that movie. But those ladies, while all very talented at what they do, weren't the star level some of these people were for this movie. Yeah. They just weren't movie stars in that one. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to them in, when we get to yeah. Ghostbusters. But, <laughs> but you know, this you're is an all time, oh. like at their peak cast. It's insane. Without question. Without question. We're in the 1980s that Bill Murray can look like Bill Murray and be a sex symbol to some people. I know, weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's, it's that fun part of like, okay, if we try to compare, try your current day for them with you know and it's for me it's like you kind of have to go to the marvel guys you know hemsworth or evans or pratt or kind of thing just because there's or uh like jason bateman you know what i mean like this that's the subtle comedy but it's hard to kind of think like, of there almost isn't a current day equivalent because one as keith really likes to nail down the comedy movie is at a peak or is at a valley right now yeah, to where comedy yeah, movies gone. really aren't hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Joe, I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your uh, trivia stuff here, but when, what month did this movie come out? June 8th. June 8th. Oh, that's interesting. Cause the, I was looking up the very first PG 13 movie came out in 1984 and it was uh, Red Dawn. I'm seeing. Yeah. Red, Red Dawn. Dawn. Char- it, that's Charlie Sheen, Patrick Swayze, the, uh, the Russians are bombing like mm-hmm. Wichita, no, Iowa, or some weird they thing. They invaded. They took over a town. Yeah, never seen it. I just know of it because Chris Hemsworth did a remake re- uh, in like 2011 or something about yeah, North Car- or North Carolina, North Korea yeah. invading. <laughs> there it is. My God, North Carolina is invading America. North God, Carolina, America, America sucks so much. <laughs> yeah, that their own countries are you know invading. So I mean, Texas before, always wants to do it. That's true. So, what's your guys's 
backstories of Ghostbusters before we... I think my real intro to Ghostbusters was the cartoon back in the day. Because, like, it was part of an ultra block of just one cart- Saturday morning cartoons fucking slapped. And uh, so, like, that's how I started out my love of Ghostbusters was through the cartoon. And then I went back to watch the movies. But, yeah, so that's how I started in Ghostbusters. And then this is my first time watching this movie, Joe, probably since we lived together a decade plus ago. So that's fun. Keith? Mine is I never watched I never cared for the cartoon that much, even when I was younger. I just never like. It never was like on in my like schedule of life. It like never showed up like whatever when I was between school and the like the VHS bootleggers. And so they would rent movies often and then copy them and then give out copies. So I had a copied VHS of Ghostbusters that I just wore out and watched it probably drove my parents insane with how much I watched it. I remember when I was a little kid, I would like fast forward sometimes up until the we got one part. <laughs> and just watch the montage. Yeah. Well, I fast forward up until because that was when the action kind of kicked in in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. No, I loved it. It's an important, important part of life. Like I'll, I'll say he's like, I, I feel so funky or he slimed me. That's like a regular, mm-hmm. just like, part of my life is to say those things would not uh be able to be considered a kid's movie in today's day and age yeah 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 i think it's um, a kid's yeah i mean i guess in, we'll in some, there on. are some things when we we're, we're talking about that uh there there's a backstory to them so uh for me i'm i'm a diehard ghostbuster fan i will not lie if there was such thing as like if the ghostbusters were real i would be like applying every week <laughs> until i get the job it's like a kid wants to be an astronaut you're damn right <laughs> i mean we're doing an audio podcast and joe is wearing one of his ghostbuster jumpsuits right now i was gonna go the whole time and not even talk about it <laughs> <laughs> you know i i have one i have one uh tan one which i feel like i need to get a new one to get more an accurate looking because this was like a 20 dollars one i found i have to do work on my ghostbuster 2 one because it's a dark gray um we'll t- i'll talk about that one and two but <laughs> no i like to be like to be fair um i feel like this was like one of my first movies i've ever watched as a kid oh that it could be because i, I, I were like because <laughs> i remember um like watching one Ghostbusters one two, the Term- Terminators RoboCop at like five. That, that's RoboCop is a weird movie for a child to watch. And yeah, the way like a child's brain could comprehend. <laughs> I can comprehend that because of the fact that was the day because I was still living in San Diego that my parents bought our like thirty-two inch Sony t- tube TV, and like that was the first thing I watched on it. Probably weighed seven tons. Yes. Um, Just a little, but, little five-year-old Joe like, oh my God, cops in the surveillance state are a bad thing. Yep. <laughs> I learned I, I learned young. Um, you, you're going to learn today, Joe. You're going to learn yeah. today. But I, I also watched all the um, cartoons. I own them all. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I was a Ghostbuster growing up as had all the costumes. I still have them now. Um, I just bought a $400 proton pack that I won't oh, get for like two years. I was wondering if you were going to talk about that. Oh yeah. Um, it's big news. It is. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm super excited because it's, as I've told you, Rick, it's $400 now, but when it gets developed and made, it's a thousand or more. Oh yeah, for sure. Joe, I wouldn't, pay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to justify that on the financial side. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to be like, it's really cool. And I like it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That's the whole point here. Let's be honest. At least he's not spending his money on NFTs or something stupid. Yeah, that's true. No, those are like it's a real life fungible. Guys, token. I can use the Proton Pack like two days a year. Okay, so it's gonna look it's gonna be awesome. First of yeah. all, use is a strong use of that word. But wait a minute, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! There's ghosts at your place. Yeah, yeah, it's haunted. <laughs> it's haunted. But no, watching you know, do watching Ghostbusters got me in the paranormal. So I watch all the paranormal TV shows because yeah. of this movie this franchise but yeah i'm like a diehard ghostbuster fan so and like i said i've watched this movie three times in the past week two weeks and i was <laughs> i watched it last night i'm like zen i have to watch ghostbusters and i'm like we have to watch you want to watch it? and she's like yeah i'm like well we're going to so <laughs> it was more, it was less of an ask and more of I'm telling you we're watching Ghostbusters. That's how the Fast and Furious series felt at my home. <laughs> like, it was watching, it, it was we got to do it, six this week. <laughs> it was either that or like I, I or I do they or like I'll be like I can go in the room to watch it. It's fine, you know. <laughs> but, hang out in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, diehard Ghostbuster fan. So let's get into this movie. So Rick, how do you give us the plot? Boys and girls, non-binary, and everyone in between, please gather around for Jay to read the plot to Ghostbusters. Wait, what? I uh, me? I mean, you're the one who talks about how he knows everything about this movie, so fucking prove it. Yeah, I, I kind of want. I've never screener. seen this movie. I don't. This is new to me. Wait, this whole thing was a bit. <laughs> this whole thing was a bit. Got him. We're, we're actually doing uh, Iron Man two. Yeah. <laughs> Well, at least we didn't do three. <laughs> All right. I, I, let me let me uh, try to do this. Uh, Peter Vankman, Ray Stance, and Egon Spangler are parapsychology professors at Columbia U- University investigating the paranormal. Well, they think they are, but the dean does not like them at all. So the dean kicks them out after them going to the New York New York Public Library to find... A ghost, the librarian, as they get as they get fired from the university, uh, they decide to go into paranormal investigation and elimination services operate service operating out of a disused firehouse, calling themselves the Ghostbusters. Uh, Egon develops high nuclear powered equipment, the proton pack, the ghost traps. Night vision goggles that also could take photos. It's weird. Uh, we then are then in, uh, introduced to one Dana Barrett. She goes home after working out one night, and then her eggs begin to cook on the counter. Then she notices a light into her fridge, and then the she opens the fridge, and there's a bright light with a terror dog saying, Zool. 
Voiced by Ivan Reitman, by the way. <laughs> uh, Dana hires the Ghostbusters to check out her situation. By check out, I mean Peter Bankman checking her out, being a little sleep, being a little sleaze, sleazy. Um, what is it with Bill Murray always being kind of like a borderline sleaze bag? Do you think Bill Murray in real life is a borderline sleaze bag? Some people believe they do. He they was are. really gross in Ghostbusters. <laughs> and it's PG, folks. So after being kicked out of her apartment, the guys are having a last meal, as you would say, because all the money that, that they've used are on their last meal, Chinese food, until the Segwid, oh, is it, is it? Oh, there is. Segwick Hotel calls them because a glutinous ghost is terrorizing the hotel as they're having a midnight party. Is that midnight? I've never noticed it until I saw the sign. But when it's like, you know, Segwin Hotel presents, it's like a midnight festival or something. It was weird. We were introduced to Slimer, which she's never named Slimer at all in the uh, movies. It's after because of the kids and all that. Yeah, the toys. <laughs> uh, after they finally catch him, the Ghostbusters are off and running as their as their business is booming, is popping until they get a visit by the EPA Walter Peck, the Environmental Protection Agency, who is there to evaluate the equipment that they use. However, they're not letting him use it. So here come back. Uh, we are informed that Dana and uh, her roommate Louis Tully are going to be possessed by terror dogs or demon gods worshipped by the servant of Gozer the Gozerian and they are possessed and now the Ghostbusters have to help them out however the EVP, EPA comes back out and has them shut down the grid well that's bad because the, shut, the shutting down the grid blows up the whole firehouse blow, and, and releases all the ghosts but the Ghostbusters are arrested because of causing all the chaos. Well, talking to the mayor, who is up for election again, decides to let the Ghostbusters try to stop what's happening because of the millions of registered voters that he they he would have saved. Has there not, ever been a mayor in a movie that wasn't up for re-election? I feel like that's <laughs> such a running bit in all movies all the time. Is that the Jaws? Is the Jaws mayor like that? I think so. <laughs> Um, Ghostbusters release. They run some red lights. They go back to Spook Central, the apartments of Dana. Finds out that it's been destroyed. Finds out that Lewis and Dana are both turned into the dogs. And then Gozer appears. They want this chick to leave. However, they wanted to become toast. They want, yep. However, it doesn't work. It evaporates. And then Gozer t tells them to, uh, you know, wish, make their wish and have the Gozer reappear as someone. However, destruction. At, the, yep, Gozer destruction. However, Ray does it on accident, trying to think maybe something that's not <laughs> dangerous. And he decides to make the State Puff Marshmallow Man, who is what, 50, 60 feet in the air? At Might least. have been more than that. It, I mean, it was, a, it was a kaiju at the very least. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
trying to figure out what to do with that. The Egon instructs the team to cross the streams into the dimensional gate that Gozer came out of, resulting in an explosion, destroys Gozer's avatar, banishing it back to the dimension and closing the gateway. Ghostbusters rescued Dana and Lewis from the wreckage and now welcome as heroes. And that is Ghostbusters. That was thorough. You gotta that be. was, in fact, <laughs> Ghostbusters. You gotta yeah, be. You did it. It's over. That's you gotta movie. be. <laughs> Um, so oh. before we uh, before we get in, I want to bring up some stuff. I don't know if any of you seen it, but there's um, a show on Netflix. It's like uh, it's like how did it get made type thing, but it talks oh, about yeah. the um, Ghostbusters movie and about how they had to get the rights to Ghostbusters. Who owned Ghostbusters before that? There was a like 1970s. Um, uh like tv show called ghost uh ghostbusters and it's like them it's them investigating um like crimes and stuff however they had like a guy dressed up in a gorilla outfit that would be a cool concept for like a ghostbusters whatever next one where they do it sort of like a cops sort of setup where Mm -hmm. it's like it's like they're like filmed going to just like that'd be like more horror (laughs) So the deal with ghosts. So the idea was for them uh, to because they were in a battle trying to get the name, so they were trying to figure out how they can get the name. So they thought of other names for this movie. So there there was going to be Ghost Stoppers, Ghost Breakers, or Ghost Smashers. Um, There was yeah, right. Um, There was a executive at columbia pictures frank price who actually liked this idea of the movie and wanted to budget it however um they wanted the june release and um he wanted all that to happen but with 13 months to complete the film there was no finished script nothing was started nothing um so the columbia ceo uh sent his lawyers to la to convince price to not pursue the movie but he disagreed so they kicked Price out of Columbia's, um, like fired him. So then Price became the head of Universal Studios, and Universal Studios bought merged with Columbia. So Universal Studio got the right to Ghostbusters again because the guy who was in charge did it. So they what they did is they sold the paid off the the owners of the TV show with a $500,000 check and plus 1% of the film profits. Oh, that's that was a good purchase. That, one, that 1% a lot. Yeah, yeah, they're still getting money off that 1% probably. So this like so this, the whole like if you go back if you go watch it it's that crazy thing like this guy's just like I'm pushing for it. I'm pushing for this. However, my boss ain't letting me. So I left. I went to this company. We bought the old company and we got to work. So it's all that craziness of um, Ackroyd, Ramis, and Reitman were the main writers for this movie. So we have all that. Um, do you guys, do you know how, what this movie's based off of? Ghost oh. blowjobs? Yes. Um, yeah, mostly. 
In reality, it's the fact that Dan Aykroyd's fascination with the belief of paranormal that he inherited from his father who wrote the book of History of Ghosts. His mother claims that she's seen some. His grandfather, who experimented with using radio to contact the dead. And great-grandfather, <laughs> a renowned spiritualist. Uh, in 1984, he read an article of quantum physics of the parapsychology in the Journal of American Society for Physical Research, which gave the idea of, for trapping ghosts. Jesus. <laughs> so basically, Dan Aykroyd lived in that house to be like, I have an idea. So that's was, was Dan Aykroyd like rich at this point? Um, yeah, he'd, he'd made some big movies at that point. Yeah, yeah. So he has the he's got the time and the resources just to hang out and do a bunch of ghost bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. I think he'd already done Blues Brothers. Yeah, he'd already done Blues yeah. Brothers at that point. Um. Yeah, and he did a lot of other TV kind of shows. Um, nineteen forty one. I th- that, yeah, that's the one with him and uh, Belushi. He does trading it. places. Oh yeah, that one's big. Something I do not have any recollection recollection of. Listen to Aykroyd's 1984. He was in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Apparently, yeah, he, he is. He he is in the scene where like Indiana Jones is being taken to the um, plane. Before the plane that crashes, he's like, "Come with me, Mr. Jones. You, you, your, your mission here is blah blah blah." It was just him talking. Like he, he did, he didn't want to be shown, so that's why he uh, did that. Uh, there's something called Nothing Lasts Forever. Of course, Ghostbusters. He then has Into the Night in '85, Spies Like Us in '85. Oh, Spies Dragnet, Like Us is big. Dragnet in '87. And he did like, SNL already. He was Scott, oh, yeah, Saturday he was Night Live started in '76. Yeah, like such an insane list for him in the eighties. Like, yeah, god damn. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about the movie since I've done the backstory. Thoughts of I it mean, this time, Rick? I mean, it's still great. I mean, it is like one. You have just such insane talent of comedians mixed in there with. Bill Murray kind of just being this sleaze bag, trying to bang his students, <laughs> then trying to bang his clients, but also still kind of being an upstanding guy and not banging his client when she's taken over by a ghost. Yeah, if this was the 80s, I'm really glad they didn't like take another step down that route. <laughs> so they really well, could Remember, Keith, the movie with blowjobs and talking about getting sailors laid is a kid's movie. He he's a sailor. If we just get him laid, he might be good. <laughs> this was like there wasn't like PG thirteen didn't really exist at this point. So I think the the rating is almost like hard to even like think about in those terms. Did I've, anyone else notice that when Sigourney Weaver was sitting in the chair, uh, one of those hands got a little gropy with her? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like it even like pulls down her shirt and exposes her bra at one point. I was like, whoa. Ghost yeah. hand? I hope they warned her. <laughs> it's the Gordy Weaver, but like, let's calm down a little bit. Well, oh, yes. to, to to be honest, it's like the idea of the fact that they don't know what they're reaching because they're like behind. So I mean, it's just like people in a chair just going like, oh, yeah. Boop. Well, yeah, if, you have, like, your, 
if your like wrist is on her vagina, you know exactly. What that one. one was so. Oh man. <laughs> but yes, on the on on the topic of Sigourney Weaver, she was quite the babe back then. Like the um, even though she was that big, she had an audition too. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um. So it sounds weird, but Ivan Reitman had her. Um like get on a table and bark like a dog because that was like one of the scenes. One of the scenes of the movie when she turns into the dog and once she did it, he's like, yeah, I found her. <laughs> I found the Dana Barrett. That sounds like some gross Hollywood shit. That was one of the weaker parts of the movie. Like she's not a very fleshed out character. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like she's a hot chick with ghosts in her apartment. She has a weird neighbor who wants to like bang her. Yeah. Bill Murray wants to bang her. And she's a musician. That's it. That's all she is. Not a lot of depth to Dana. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, like, women are usually trophies in these movies. <laughs> so she's definitely a trophy. It. She is, but, like, for it's that weird thing that, like, even though she is, that she's also the damsel in distress, too, because yeah. of the fact that she gets possessed, she gets taken over. And, like, to be honest, I don't see her as, like, the, um, just the, you know, the goods for my being a yeah. fan it's just like yeah she had a point because i think maybe it's with the sequel and all that too that it's just more yeah, of a she gets flushed out in the lore like she has a way yeah. more depth character for ghostbusters 2 mm-hmm. um, no, I... but like for this first one it's very much like a shallow she's the hot <laughs> character yeah no she's absolutely... even the secretary even though she gets has to play the stupid i'm in love with egon role in this movie Janine? yeah like she's a badass yeah. Like a very typical New Yorker, yeah. But then they also have the weird Egon apparently eating her out under the table. If no, she's just he's just fixing the computer and printer. He collects his oh, spores, mold, and fungus. All right, that's all he does. That's, he's definitely fixing something under there. I've got a note for that scene where I think is that where she says some people think I'm too intellectual. Yep, I love yeah. that line. Yeah. I, I but that is some of the joke, like the. I actually took notes while I was watching this movie just because there's also a lot of like little small lines, little small jokes that are good. And the like when, when she's all horny for Spangler, that was so funny. And when she's like, well, some people think I'm too intellectual, actually. <laughs> it, it it blows my mind what rewatching this. Because being a kid, you don't get all the sex jokes or any of the one-liners or all this. But watching it this time, it's just fun to see like all the back people behind all everybody else doing something that they don't take away from the scene but you can pay attention so like when their peck is having them shut down the grid and egon is you know arms wide open like you can't touch this and then you see rick moranis in the back like doing the same thing but like having (laughs) like having a big ass smile on his face because he's just like i don't know what i'm doing but i'm doing it well, and Egon is such a good character in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's so like as a kid, you just focus on Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. But like, god damn, Ramus kills it in these movies with the way he plays Egon. It's so good. He didn't want to be. He did. Ramus wrote this role, but first he didn't want to do it. But then once there's four people that were considered for the role. I'll let you guys think for like two seconds as I diatribe here. Um, huh? I'm gonna have no idea. I barely know actors nowadays. Okay, like Kurt, maybe Kurt Russell. <laughs> I don't know. No. So, uh, Christopher Walken, John yeah, Lithgow. Right, that actually makes sense because he's not crazy yet. 
Yeah. Lift John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, and Jeff Goldblum. Christopher Lloyd would have been weird. Had he done Back to the Future? Christopher yet? Lloyd yeah. would have been good. Yeah. Back to the Future has was no, not yet. 85. That'd been so, so I mean, he probably wouldn't have done Back to the Future then. Yeah. Because they probably would have been like similar production times. Mm-hmm. Um, but That'd be not weird. At, but after finishing writing the script, Harry Ramis was like, okay, Egon's my character because it is going to fit that, you know, for, for what I want. But it's like crazy thing that you have Egon, you have Ray being the Dan Ackroyd's character being the heart and soul. You have um, Peter Vakeman, Bill Murray's character being the, um, you know, game show host, the sly guy. And you have Egon, the the sleazing schemer. And you have Egon be the no emotion, you know, tech. (laughs) And and it's that crazy thing, like what you said, Rick, about watching Harry Ramis. I watched them this time and it was just like, this blows my mind about like how awesome he is because he shows no emotion. He doesn't smile. He doesn't do anything. He's just there. See, I wouldn't say it's no emotion because he's very invested in his work. Like, mm-hmm. whereas Ackroyd's ca- character is kind of like goofy with it, and almost to the point where like he's like it almost feels at times that Ackroyd's character is saying all the things he does to make himself <laughs> believe it. Egon's 100% invested and believes it all like over the top. Like he is just for sure this is all real and has all the plans and like know how of how to do it all. And that's one of my notes here because the Egon's like this movie has like the one of the coolest like silly fiction vocabularies ever. Like the weird things they the weird like phrases they make up and like the the, the containment facility and the don't cross oh yeah it'll be a paranormal explosion and that is like played so well and they just like say it so seriously and like well this is this is it this is what we're this is what we're going and that's why i think like i'll i will i'll I'll argue it's like like a great kids movie because it's got all these like weird words that these like kids can like look up it's got big scary ghosts it's got laser Mm -hmm. beams like it's got it does have jokes for like he gets slimed like i think that's this movie is good for everybody it i was watching um a clip on YouTube from the Jimmy Fallon show and it had Ackroyd, Murray, and uh, Ernie Hudson on it. And they're, you know, Dan Ackroyd's like, because of this movie, you guys are all saying the lingo. You guys <laughs> are saying, that you know, all this stuff. And it's because of the Ghostbusters movie. If it wasn't for us, you probably won't be saying, you know, LARP, LARP it or, you know, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. also a lot of the, um, how kind of cool this movie is almost all every line has something that's ad-libbed <laughs> mostly bill murray but I was about to say, that's basically what murray had this done. movie looks yeah this movie seemed kind of improv-y the, <laughs> the scene the scene, yeah. the, the scene where we're in the library and there were all three walking and bakeman's like egon now that one time i stopped you from drilling the hole in your head <laughs> and like egon like hair ramus improvised too if you hadn't stopped me he improvised that line. Nice. <laughs> well, they're, they're a bunch of like improv nerds. They probably did the like the improv troupe shit. <laughs> well, they did uh, because um, I want to say uh, Murray and Ackroyd did the Chicago, like the famous Chicago stand up 
yeah. before SNL, and then SNL and Harold, Harold Ramis is just an, a writer, mm-hmm. so he gets it. <laughs> but and then, oh, speaking of the library scene, that has some of the best special effects probably in the series. Like, dude, it's the... insane how well, like, <laughs> obviously, it's from the 80s to when they do some of like the far shots with the dogs, it looks like garbage. But like for a movie from '84 to look better than a lot of stuff that comes out now is ridiculous. The dog looks just as good as those silly dogs in Eternals. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. You, or is that just what this podcast is now? He's shitting on Eternals for eternity. Yep. Yes, it is. <laughs> Eternity. <laughs> um. Fuck off, Keith. <laughs> No, but for real, this movie, like, the ghost in the library, like, I don't know. That scared they... the crap out of me. Yeah, this movie has some, I would, that some, that's part of my notes here. Some of the really good scares in this movie, like, the, they do, the, the, the horror style they do is really weird. It's, like, they do a lot of, like, uncomfortable, like, noises and fluids. Like, the yeah. scene with the, the scene with the eggs popping out is really gross. Or, like, the, the way the chair rips when the hand, the dog hands come out of it. Like, yeah. That that... part. Yeah. This movie, this it, movie, like this movie, does a good job of making objects scary. Like the refrigerator became scary. Like, like the same, the same with Ghostbusters too. Like I, 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 I like always think of Ghostbusters too with bathtubs. <laughs> That's, they're really good at like, uh, like object horror. It's that it's that weird thing because this is like one of those movies. Like uh, you can ask people, what type of genre movie is this? <laughs> For sure, comedy. Mm-hmm. Some put in horror just because of. I know it's not, but it's it has ghosts and it has it has ghosts in it, yeah. And yeah, so they a thriller, you know, action, all that stuff. But like these are like this is one of those movies that's just like it broke the mold for what would come next. Yeah, and man, the building looked like the the shots on the building looked cool. The whole actually the whole movie was like the whole, like all the the cinematography it was really cool. Like, this movie just looked good. Like the there the was funny parts art. though where they do like shots of the city where you're like, well, that's clearly a painting. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well they didn't they didn't have enough time, so they just did that. Like they just took photos and like let's blow it up and let's call it good. It they still didn't... worked. Like it didn't look oh, yeah. bad. You yeah. could just tell. Be, like and. If it was still tube TVs, you wouldn't be able to tell as easily. It's just we yeah. have 4K televisions that are super high res. And I'm like, that's a that's clearly a painting. Literally nothing is moving while they do the screen. <laughs> I didn't yeah, see this it. This movie belongs I, on 480p. Yeah, there it is. I, I didn't see it, but somebody says that you can uh if they do an aerial shot and you see a taxi driver, like a taxi driving since it's supposed to be the aerial shot, it just drives through the painting. Like just because that's how like <laughs> Oh, that's cool. <laughs> kind of weird and crazy that all that is. But all the exterior uh, shots were were New York, but all the interior was in Los Angeles. Nice. Makes sense. Uh, but no, uh, you know, it's that crazy thing. Like, you know, if we, you know, Keith says how this is a PG movie, and, you know, a good kids movie, and there's all the adult, you know, it's because I think they were trying to do what, most movies try to do today of it's a kid's movie, but there's kid there's adult jokes involved, you know, like um Wreck It Ralph. You know, there's a lot of kid it's a kid's movie, but there's a lot of adult adult jokes. But I would say they're a lot more subtle nowadays with those oh, jokes. Yes, yes. Because you know, in the library scene of like uh are you menstruating right now? Oh, that yeah. was so fucking weird. 
I have that I was like, what? <laughs> well, um, because in a <laughs> psychology have periods. Well, because it's uh, according to research, it's the idea that may that Alice may have been going through menopause, which is a very rare case that could cause like sciatic breaks of or blackouts. Peter was just t- trying to determine if Alice was having was actually caused the disturbance herself or either physically or through a psychic powers. No, that's not what came across in the movie. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's not. But like, according to in the research, that's what the idea yeah. why he's asking if he's menstru if she was menstruating. That just sounds like them justifying a childish joke. <laughs> oh yeah, but you know, like it's this is the one of those movies like when they go down in the basement. It's like, listen, you smell that? It's like, what? But yeah, then you see, was, I was fucking cackling out of the line. Listen, do you smell? I was like, what the fuck? But it, I don't know yeah, if you guys know this, but if you watch Bill Murray in the background, he just starts sniffing. He's like, like at oh, the yeah, obnoxious, like, <laughs> what's going on, you know? And then I love the, and like growing, now watching it as an adult, be like watching the scene of them finding the Alice, the, uh, the, the, the librarian. And it's like, someone needs to go talk to her. And they both look at Peter because he's the ladies' man. And it's like, hi, I'm Peter. Where are you from originally? Originally. <laughs> originally. Shh. And it's like, okay, that didn't work. I got an idea. Get her. That that bit was pretty funny. Get her? Like, that was your plan? Get her? They're funny. This this movie, like, no, there's not a lot of ghost movies that try to like grapple with the idea of like, oh, okay, all of a sudden now ghosts are real. Like, like the world has to like deal with this fact now. But, I was super like, that's what I appreciated is that we just jumped right in. It wasn't like <laughs> this weird, like, we need to prove ghosts are real. Like it's just like bucket ghosts are real. The original the original script was the idea of them already being already like good. Like basically what Ghostbusters 2 is, that's what Ghostbusters 1 was supposed to be. And I would have been okay with that too. Like five years later. Yeah, we don't need (laughs) that's what uh comic book movies need to learn. We don't always need origin stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, we'll touch on it because two of the three of us have already seen the newest one. But I love what they do with the newest one to kind of like cement some of the lore in one with four. <laughs> like, they do a really good job of bringing it full circle. And it like makes one, which was already a super strong movie, even stronger. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does too. <laughs> cool. Which is crazy when you think about how the fact Ghostbusters is like an all timer movie. And they just kind of made this new one with a child being the star of the movie, somehow making it better. They, um, Keith, you got something to say for? I think I interrupted you. Oh, uh, I forgot. It's gone. okay. Um, Ghostbusters was the highest rated comedy movie of all time until uh, Home Alone came out in '90. So six years, it was the number one movie. Hmm. That's cool. I mean, I imagine this was a big deal when it came out. Like. I was I was uh, reading through my Roger Ebert review, and I guess the, the special effects were like pretty groundbreaking. They, they, and it was by a new group too, because they asked, they were work, they went around asking people like, "Hey, can you do our effects?" And all the businesses were busy at the time, so they went to like a new up and comer and was like, "Hey, can you do this?" And I'm like, "Sure," but we need it by like the end of the month. So they do <laughs> all the things. So. I think in the one that you see the state puff marshmallow, man, there are like, you see the strings and stuff. Like you can maybe see them in the shots. It's just, they kept it in because it looked fine. 
like this movie is just like it looks fine like when you see slimer around the um the light in the hotel it's just a it's a bean <laughs> painted green and then they put cool. the effects around it to make it look like slimer <laughs> yeah looks great didn't notice <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah, the, uh let's see i've got a note about like bankman's like a like a professional at negging yeah, that, that is true. He's <laughs> an Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It was just, yeah, he just like just burns people. Do you get it with the first scene with him in it because he's doing the electrical shock therapy with the oh, that scene. student, and it's just basically him hitting on the girl while shocking the guy who gets one right, the wavy lines. And he's like, We're paying you, right? You can keep your five dollars. <laughs> when he said five dollars, I was like, five dollars still would have been like not a Nothing to been. laugh at in 1984. Yeah. <laughs> but you get like you get that, and you know, you but you you notice that he's shocking him right away because he's like, you have 75 more, and she's five for five, uh-huh. and you're that's... 0 for five, and you have 75 more to go, and it's just he's just gonna shock him 80 times for the shits and giggles to hit on the girl because he's not a good person. He's not. For the he's most not. Part. Yeah. There. Um. I mean, I makes- heard. Fucking Dan Aykroyd's character take out a third mortgage on his parents' house. Fourth. No negotiation. 19%. <coughs> Interest after the first year is like $90,000. That's, yeah, that's what Egon says. Um, As someone who bought a house and was like, who's, was right before mortgage rates dipped. And mine's still below 5%. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even negotiate with them. It's 19%. Um, but like also with when he meets Walter Peck for the first time, you know, Walter Peck's trying to, um, you know, wants to see the containment system. And he's like, no, why not? Well, it's because the fact that he goes, are you Peter Vankman? It's like, yes, I am. I'm Dr. Peter Vankman. <laughs> and then Peck never calls him doctor the rest of the time. So he's like, okay, you're not going to call me doctor. I'm going to fuck with you. Oh, by the way, Walter Peck is a weird character. This this movie has this like I was trying to pull out some of the politics in this movie a little bit, which is kind of silly, but like, so Walter Peck is asking extremely reasonable, smart questions, and the, yeah. EP, the EPA is like as far as government agencies go. Like, I mean, they're not all. Most of them have stuff wrong with them, but the EPA is like relatively benign compared to other agencies so like it's this like totally reasonable question like there are actual ghosts appearing and you have this like ridiculous facility with no government oversight so this movie has this like weird libertarian bent to it where it's like oh, the, the, all these damn hoops are getting in the way of me running the way the business i want to run it and this this damn nerd from the government shows up and tries to tell me what to do well <laughs> it, it it it's more of like they're they're a startup business they don't know what they're doing but for the peter vankman part it's the fact that he doesn't call him doctor well, I mean, it's that's just the <laughs> bit. Like, it's just yeah. the, the idea of him coming and telling them what to do is really the yeah. irritating thing for them. But, like, he's asking really good questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like, can I see the containment system? No. Why not? You didn't say the magic word. What is the magic word? Please. Can I, mean, I please? Have... You know, it's like, can I? The fact that they have nuclear reactors strapped to their backs. <laughs> unlicensed nope. nuclear accelerators don't worry yeah. those don't worry about them 
Except for at the end, Walter Peck's like a good guy. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I mean, he's still kind of a douchebag the way he's going about things. But I mean, Bill Murray definitely is the one who instigated things. Yeah. <laughs> there was a I didn't I couldn't find it, but I heard in another, another podcast that there was an article or a professor came out with about how you know how in every movie the main character changes from beginning to end. Well, in Ghostbusters, Peter Peter Vakeman does not change from his character from the beginning of the movie to his character at the end. <laughs> Did anyone There's... else feel at the end of the movie when he kisses Sigourney Weaver, she wasn't expecting him to kiss her? Yes, that was forced. Like that was super awkward and just her being like, you motherfucker. <laughs> well, that was a, that, yeah. That's probably real life and the characters. <laughs> it, yeah. it makes sense for both. <laughs> um. But I love I love this movie for the fact that it is a it's an origin story that you know you know they get the Ecto one their car uh, 1959 Cadillac and it's like how much he's paid for it 4400 okay what's wrong with it uh, needs new brakes a new needs a new transmission needs yeah. new lights needs it's like <laughs> what uh, somebody did the calculation that if he bought the car today at that. Like for what it was then, now it's eleven thousand dollars. Nice. <laughs> cool. um, oh man, that that shot, that moment right there where we first see the car is is oh, a, good, a good reminder amazing. here. But the music from top to bottom in this movie is oh, still amazing. Killer. Just what's that 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 creepy song playing when they're driving over the bridge, talking about magic, magic. Yeah, that song. Love magic. that song. Oh yeah, it's, all the, the original, music's awesome. Yeah. And like the original music too, it's all like funky and cool. Yeah. yeah. Magic, magic. Yeah, that song. That song goes. That song goes real hard. Uh, did you guys notice Bill Murray almost eating it when he, when Vankman meets Stana Barrett for the first time? No. <laughs> so if you hell no, <laughs> watch it again. And when when Dana Barrett enters the firehouse to meet with the Ghostbusters and. Vankman being like the sleazy he is, he hears a woman's voice, so he perks up behind, you know, behind the door. Then he runs and jumps over to the, the his door that just sways back and forth. His foot catches the door, and he stumbles. <laughs> Hi, I'm Peter Vakeman. So if you go back watch that, that's funny. Um, watching this movie makes me realize how amazing Rick Moranis is. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, he's, you know, he's, when you first meet him, he tells Dana about the fact that she shouldn't be blasting her TV at a loud pace. So what he did was he did the same thing. So the superintendent wouldn't notice (laughs) that it's just her and how he bought a 20 minute workout video and he sped it up twice as fast. So he could do a 10 10 minute workout. I love that joke. That joke was awesome. Yeah. The, that's the, like I've, Ricky mentioned it. I often bitch about the the decline of the comedy. And yeah. that's something that comes along with the death of the comedy is the death of the comedic actor and just like the silly character actor that really only like functions in these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. And like it's a shame that we're like we don't get Rick Moranis's anymore. There's like <laughs> we will never get another just like silly character dude. To be fair, Rick Moranis is like an all-timer. Like that's just not a dude who's mm-hmm. easy to like remake. It's like crazy because he retired. Like he's coming back to do like a Honey the Sh- like Shrunk. I think is a TV show or movie for Disney Plus. But like he's retired 
after like honey i blew up the kids or something you know like <laughs> or no was it little giants his last movie he made was in 08 and it was a uh, yeah a tv documentary so he's crazy like um but you said 08 yeah Oh wow, that's more recent than I thought. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 been retired for a while. Um but like he's amazing. I don't, so cuz you know he gets he's the key master, right? Do you know he gets locked out of his house every time you see him? <laughs> oh, no, that's funny. <laughs> every time he's locked every time you see him and he get, leaves his room, he's locked out four times. That's funny. Which is weird cuz that's more of a hotel thing than like an apartment thing. Yeah. But- but Whatever. what I love about this one of the things I love about this movie is the fact that they don't bash you over the head with the jokes. AK, oh, like, no. so example, State Puff Marshmallow Man, he's the big, you know, one of the big villains at the end, right? You see, there's State Puff Marshmallows on Dana's counter when the eggs are frying, yeah. and then you see a sign on the on a building. That's it. Two, two subtle kind of like State Puff Marshmallow Man's. Nowadays in comedies, they hit you over the head that hey, this, this would be this the bad guy this is coming. at the end. <laughs> it's coming, yeah. But I just love the fact. And the scene with Rick Moranis, the when he he's throwing a party for all his clients so he can write the party off as a uh for a uh work work business. For taxes, yeah. Yeah, for taxes. It's just like that whole one scene of him is shot in one shot, which not many movies do that anymore. All improvised. Dude, his party scene was so awkwardly funny. It was so depressing. Because <laughs> he clearly has no friends. Yeah, like he all... says like he's doing it for taxes and everything, but yeah, it's just it's because it's the only way he can invite people over. Yeah. And then like the one like hot chick's like, okay, I'm going to leave. Well, how about we dance? We'll get everyone else to dance. And then the love, fucking dancing. Oh my God. I love that she smiles and she's totally down. She's like, yeah, okay. I'll dance. That's yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, Keith. I don't know if she was uh, the brightest bulb in the uh, <laughs> in the house. Yeah, it's still. But, uh, <laughs> more Keith? Oh, nothing to say. Still a good party, though. And then even Moranis's just character, like even after getting broken out of the dog and meeting the Ghostbusters, his first question is, "So who does your taxes?" Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oak, you you were part of a the first ever biggest one, the biggest ever, you know. Trans- oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah. Like he like he just goes with the flow. But I love I love Lewis here with the fact of like, hey, do you have any ibuprofen? I have the store brand because I can get like <laughs> yeah. six ma- six times the amount for half the price. It's like, and then his weird thing with like that intro to him and how he's clearly obsessed with Dana of like, yeah, your TV was on really loud. So yeah. I climbed around to try and <laughs> unplug your cable. So that didn't work. So I just blared mine. And then, like the, the scene where like she's returning before she becomes possessed and she's trying to sneak past his apartment. Oh, loved it. And yeah. then, you know, I'm sorry, I have a date. Oh. Well, you can bring him along too. It'd be fine. More the merrier. <laughs> so, is this like so the heartbroken? First, the first cuck in like movie history? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, most definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fair. There's probably a lot of cucks in those 30s to 50s movies. Yeah. 
No, but uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. I just started thinking about Rick Moranis watching Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> no, go on. Banged by Bill Murray. Oh, no, that's what I was going to think about. Sigourney Weaver's like weird violin player boyfriend. You that's know where he's from, boyfriend. Keith. That's just like his. Well, they like... were clearly like hinting at a. She... He was ma- He was trying to Mac. <laughs> yeah. They, they were co-workers at the moment. Yes. I, I just love that scene. I love another scene. Oh, I love the fact that it's like she's talking to Vankman. Vankman is telling her everything that Egon wrote down for her. He doesn't know how to say a word and has to have her help. And then he's like, well, how about I pick you up tomorrow? Let's go on a date tomorrow. We can discuss more over dinner. And she's like, okay, I guess. And then who was that? Just a friend. I'll see you tomorrow night at nine o'clock. You know, <laughs> sorry about your, you know, you look a little pale right now. Go get some, you know, it's just like already cucking that guy too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but uh, John Candy was up for the role for Lewis Tully. That's however, John Candy. But however, he wanted to have the character a different way. He wanted him to have a German accent and a pair of Schnauzer dogs. But... Ew. What is they it, John Candy and dogs? <laughs> but they did not want. Uh, they didn't. They said no to that because they would have felt the German accent would have been out of place, and the fact that he has dogs and that those terror dogs for the statues and what they become later on, it was just too much dog. <laughs> but uh, speaking of other people for these roles, so Ernie Hudson is Winston Zeddemore. However, it was supposed to be Eddie Murphy. Oh, that would have been. I mean, I love Ernie Hudson; he's amazing. But Eddie Murphy, that would have been awesome. Would have been, but he, I think Ernie Hudson did it perfect. I don't know. Yeah, I think he did, but for what he was given, because what the script, um, the what the script was was Ernie Hudson, uh, Winston was going to be a bigger part because it's Eddie Murphy. However, once Murphy backed out because he was doing Beverly Hills Cop, Probably they basically all on his part. They basically. <laughs> chopped Hudson chopped Winston's character in half so that's why in like these movies Winston's just there well he plays the the straight man for these movies like he's the one who's not overly funny he's he's a non-believer he just believes he's sort of the audience surrogate I think he is yeah yeah because if there's a petty if there's a steady paycheck he'll do and believe in anything you want him to do I will. I do appreciate how, um, like we've talked about this with movies that get made now, like with Scream and stuff, and how whitewashed they are. Is that New York wasn't completely whitewashed? It did seem you were either white or black. There wasn't a whole lot of in between <laughs> in this New York, but yeah. still, I did appreciate the fact that it was a little bit more diverse than even movies you see nowadays. Oh yeah. So so yeah. So uh, that's uh, one of the things I guess Ernie Hudson talks about about how it was a hit and miss for him for the doing the role because of the fact that he is known for Ghostbusters, but really not really doing much in the movie. He's just there. Which I want to talk about stuff from the new one and about how they're working on stuff like that. But some people still haven't seen it. Hey, I'm seeing it in like four hours. <laughs> um. These you are could characters. have seen it already if you'd come on our hot date, but you oh. didn't. Hey, listen, it's uh, it, it's sometime in November right now, listeners. So there's still plenty of time for me to see it. Um, 
other actors that were uh, ideal for the job that they just they looked at was Michael Keaton. This is for all Peter Venkman, so Bill Murray's character. Michael Keaton, Chevy Ch- Chevy Chase. He turned it down because he didn't. He was uh, shown the original script and thought it was too dark. Nice. Um, well, fuck off, Chevy. Tom Hanks. We I forget I forget how big Tom Hanks was in the eighties at times. Tom Hanks would have yeah. killed it in that movie. Uh, Rob Robin Williams and Steve Gutenberg. Gutenberg oh. went to do Police Academy. So. Robin Williams and Ghostbusters. That would have been cool. Like I mean, it's still perfect, and like you don't want any of the guys replaced. But if yeah. Robin Williams could have been worked in there somewhere. Especially eighties Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. I almost like don't. I like don't like imagining other, like any of these actors you're listing in this movie. It's like, like no, no, no. Bankman is Bill Murray. That's just like what. That's what it is. (laughs) Um, but the big one is the fact that John Belushi was supposed to be in this movie. That he was supposed to be one of the Ghostbusters. However, is there anyone who wasn't a megastar in the eighties who wasn't supposed to be in this movie? No. Because this is you know John Belushi doing um, uh, Blues Brothers with Ackroyd, but Belushi died before the movie. So what they did was made an ode to John Belushi. So in reality, Slimer is John Belushi. They wanted to make him look like him. They do the um, uh, the scene of you know uh, Slimer chugging the beer. And that's basically from (laughs) Animal House with Belushi with the whiskey part. That's cool. So they make an O to him. And the funny thing was the guy that created Slimer was given like a two days notice. Like, hey, I need your, I need it now. And they, he turned it in. Not, he was afraid it wouldn't look right. And he's like, oh, no, no, this is perfect. (laughs) It looks just like him. That's cool. Yeah. I I I love the scene of Slimer eating the hot dogs. That, that that scene stuck with me ever since I was a little kid. Just the picture oh, it's of such a such a good scene. Yeah, so gross. Uh, rewatching, there was a lot of things just catching stuff, and it's just like how sleazy, wink, like a con man. You know, Peter Venkman is like when they when they get kicked out of the university, and he's like, "Why are you kicking us out? The kids love us." And it's like, "No, your purpose for science is is." Uh, the purpose of science is to serve mankind. However, you see it as some type of dodge or hustle. And <laughs> Bakeman's response is, I see. <laughs> just like the little quip one liner is just like, what? Okay. Essentially gets called on his bullshit and he's just like, hmm, <laughs> uh, you know this. Yeah, you, 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 you got me. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite ones is like, uh, what, what are you supposed to be? Some type of cosmonaut? Yeah, no, yeah, we're exterminators. Someone saw a co- cockroach on 12. That's got to be a big one. Bite your head <laughs> off, man. One hell of a cockroach. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. I just, I just wrote down a note that says elevator scene. Like all the actors are just having a blast in that part. That's such a good, yeah. The, the, the bite your head off. <laughs> That's so good. I, I just love that scene because of the fact, once again, it's not hit you over the head comedy. It's like, you know, I blame myself for not testing this out. We were haven't had a trial basis. I blame myself and Bankman. I do too. And like <laughs> yeah. you know, turn they turn the proton pack on for the first time. Oh, the audio and effect. Then, the audio effects right there. Damn, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then you know, they, then Egon and Peter just start leaning over to the right. 
<laughs> because they're trying to get away from they don't know what's going to happen then they shoot the uh the maid what the hell is going on yeah sorry uh, we thought you were someone else you know this movie like top to bottom it's all this like memorable scenes <laughs> you can just like talk through each scene and they all they're all good like the yeah i don't, I don't know this movie is it's pretty darn perfect <laughs> like, i think so you yeah. know it's just that you know it's just breaking them down you know you know you have the mm-hmm. infamous lines of, you know i like i always say like nice shooting text yeah nice shooting text i like the just the this the big epic like fantasy shit of like the gozer coming through the gate was crazy looking that looks so awesome oh, that whole like the ending is so just beautifully done yeah <laughs> I think it is, but do you think it's kind of a, um, I don't want to say like cop out just because of the fact that I guess during writing, they, uh, doing the script, they had the idea of saying, don't cross the streams, but they didn't have, they don't have the end game for it yet. So they're like, let's just make that the end of us crossing the streams. I thought that was perfect. I like that. Yeah, uh, it worked. <laughs> like there was, there's nothing about this movie. Like even the part that I pointed out about uh sorority weaver's character like Mm -hmm. it's such a minuscule part of it it's like it's the thing i have to nitpick to find that might be a problem well and her being like that is like crucial for the structure of the story like that's that i think and she's still a good like she's a character with depth but she like yeah she has doesn't like do a ton but it it could be the fact that she's originally was this there for the looks and this, but then after watching it so many times, you see that there's character depth to her. Yeah. Well, there's stuff that like kind of like retroactively creates depth. Yeah. And but, like future it's, movies. It's still such a small part that it's kind of like it's a minuscule part of the movie that you can easily overlook. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Well, and I, I think Sigourney Weaver's like performance sort of helps with that too. Like oh she, yeah because she is an insanely good actor yeah so that's she like she kills it as uh dana so uh, like all, all like all the little things that were nitpicking their work because there is she, no like, dana only zoom like she plays it so well like the scene where she's talking to her mom on the phone which is like mm-hmm. the one character scene she actually gets yeah it's just so good of just being this like i'm gonna assume late 20s mid 20s yeah, who knows? Uh, female in the 80s of just having a mother just like being <laughs> a super annoying on a phone call, probably be like, So, who are you seeing? Yeah, is it yeah, yeah. serious? <laughs> he's a ghostbuster. She's, he's line, a ghostbuster. That line is delivered so well. <laughs> he's a ghostbuster. Like, like, like on so TV, funny. yes, like on TV. <laughs> like to deliver a scene like that where you're literally playing off of no one but a like phone yeah. where someone may or may not be actually feeding you lines to play uh-huh. off of yeah hi <laughs> mom yes so mom impressive. yeah uh-huh say hi to dad she she was 35 the character shigori reaver oh, was okay. 35 oh because yeah she could have been anywhere from 25 to 35 she yeah she, it felt like they were having her play 20s sigourney weaver looks honest. great no matter what. <laughs> yeah but um what was I gonna say? God, she was 35. God, yeah, she was her character. If she was in the 20s in her 20s, she was doing extremely well. That apartment is beautiful and massive. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how that, always that works fridge. Yeah. That yeah, fridge, though. 
It's like how it was the huge. characters were all in their 20s living in like million dollar apartments. <laughs> uh, oh, one of the friends, fu- yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the funny things is the actor that played Walter Peck was hated after this movie by real fa- like by real people that he would constantly be like walking down the street and people getting in his face and <laughs> like he's he was he was doing an interview on the AV club and basically he was saying that he was walking down the uh like walking down the street and then he saw a school bus and all the kids started chanting dickless <laughs> and that's funny well, he like is some stuff like that goes way too far. Kind of like how yeah. uh, the kid who played Joffrey had to retire because of how much shit he got from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he was just too good at being a jackass. Because <laughs> people are so fucking incapable of separating people from their characters because yeah. people are fucking idiots. <laughs> but yeah, he just he. It, I thought it was funny of the fact of just. I guess he ran into Reitman one of these days and like, I was like, I wanted to punch you because of the fact that how much. That's shit I got after this movie yeah. because of how well he played that character. Oh, Walter Peck is a pretty awesome heel. He's like, <laughs> he's so like slimy. I think this movie has one of the best montages in um, movies because you have like, you have Rocky has one in every movie. <laughs> but I think, I think this one has the one of the best ones. Which is is that what the we got one? We got one. No, that's after the after the after the we catch Slimer and so there's no fee, no oh. big, you know, no ghost, no job, no big, no fee, no big. Yeah, that's when we get a montage. That's of right when them. they're hyping them up. I was hyped. Yeah, it's a good hype. Good, it good is hype video. Well, yeah. uh, there was a scene of them like running in like uh, uh, was it or Central Park or not Central Park, but um. Where they do SNL, I'm forgetting what it's called, but something square. When uh, they see them running with the crowd, well, that, Rockefeller Plaza or something. Yes, yeah, the plaza. Like uh, they didn't have a permit to uh, Rockefeller Rockefeller Center. There it there is. Uh, they didn't have a permit <laughs> hey, to I'm film there, here. so they just ran with security chasing them behind them, and that was That's like funny. legit them just running away from security. That's funny. We get, uh, you know, Casey Kasem, Larry King. That was his film debut, by the way, even though he looks at what he did 20 years later. It was so bonkers to hear Larry King and Casey Kasem. I was like, Jesus Christ. The world wants to know. Have you seen Elvis lately? And how is he doing? I'm not sure if that's like a regular movie. Like like having Larry King do his thing in a movie is always cool. And this was pre TV Larry King. This was radio yeah. Larry King. Oh, wow. Uh, but, you know, it, I think it helps the fact that the song Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. slaps. Um, oh, so, hard. so let's talk about that for a bit. Um, first, he tried to create the song for the movie for, uh, for in two days at 4 30 in the morning. At 4 30 in the morning, he saw an infomercial about a drain company, and the commercial had the line of who you're going to call. Nice. And then he got kind of sued by Huey Lewis in the news because <laughs> of plagiarism. Go go listen to I Want a New Drug. And it's 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 like um vanilla ice. You know, they change one thing in it yeah. to make it sound different, but it is 
yeah the on that but yeah um but uh they settled out of court for it but yeah it was just like he got sued for he by huey lewis, huey lewis the news because um he just took the rift and made it a better rift um they even offered Hugh Lewis to do the song, do a song, and they turned them down. But one ghost, but the Ghostbusters theme song is one of my favorite scenes of one of my favorite songs of all time because it, it gets me hyped like every time I listen to it. It's one of those things where we don't get like soundtracks for movies are probably better overall than they used to be. We don't get good like theme songs anymore for movies. No. Like Will Smith with Men in Black. Yeah, right. (laughs) That was awesome. Or the more iconic Will Smith song for a movie, Wild Wild West. Yeah, (laughs) jeez. Or Pitbull for uh, three. No. Uh, Oh, Pitbull does the Ghostbusters song for the... For the women? No, no, he did Pitbull for uh, Ghostbusters. Uh, Pitbull did for Men in Black 3. Oh, no, it's um, like, uh, uh, the band uh, Fallout Boy does. Yeah, Fallout yeah. Boy did the the women's, and it's okay. Yeah, I, I like Fallout Boy, and I like the Ghostbusters song, but it's not the original. Yeah, uh, movie Fallout Boy song. What's that? It essentially just feels like a Fallout Boy song. Yeah. The decision was almost as soulless as the rest of the production of that movie. <laughs> oh, yep. We're, we'll get to that in a couple. Um, I'm excited for that one. Right. Uh, movie. The movie line, Dogs and Cats Living Together, Mass Hysteria, I say that one all the time, was voted 68 in, for the 100 greatest movie lines in 07. <laughs> That's a weird list. <laughs> it is well there's like uh the like actually the, I, I would like that list because i always make fun of like the like job site movies like austin powers is a big job site movie yeah. where you're like you're on like you're like out working and you're with your like somewhat strangers and everyone can bond over saying yeah baby or yeah. <laughs> uh also another line from this movie is the, the well that's there's something you don't see every day <laughs> that was number 19 on that list wow. Um, but I love the I love the end. I love the state puff marshmallow man. Like I, when growing up, I never heard never heard the line or understood the line of he's a sailor. Let's just <laughs> oh, get him yeah. laid, and then <laughs> you know and that yeah, it's a great kids movie. You don't need to understand that line. No. <laughs> At worst, you get a question, and you got to explain something. <laughs> this movie flows. Daddy, why is the ghost pulling down dead after its pants? Okay, yeah, well, let's talk about it. We're yeah, finally talk talking about, about the blowjob scene here. So, let's talk about third base, son. <laughs> so, we're talking about it, it with it being canon. The fact that the in the movie, it's in the dream montage of him having a dream sequence of a ghost going down on him because the idea of the montage is that they're sleeping, working, constantly at the firehouse so you know the the thing of saying of your work now becomes home life type Mm -hmm. stuff and in your dreams well this is the situation but in non-canon it's just a delayed scene that the scene of in in the movie when winston and ray are driving back and they're talking about like biblical biblical stuff and myths and how every, every religion and all that 
that's them coming back from upper state New York as they were in the deleted scenes. They went up to do a scene, a case up in up New York, and they stayed over the night and Ray got super drunk. <laughs> but they thought it was funny, so they kept it in the montage. It's funny because it really made no sense in the montage besides a blowjob scene. And I and I, it yeah, but uh, even growing up, I got it as it's just him dreaming about it, even though I didn't understand what was going on. But in my because they do the dream sequence noises and all that to like play it off that it's a dream sequence. But some people, but a lot of people, are like why is this even in it? Because it's 1984. The guys that wrote it thought it was funny. They filmed it. it they is thought funny. it was funny. <laughs> Let's use it. Well, it's funny yeah he just gets a full-on blowy from a ghost like there's you, it i prefer to think about it as not a big long elaborate story and he just literally like they've been doing they've been fighting ghosts for so long that like mm-hmm. the ghosts are starting to intrude into his life so like yeah the, was this after the ghosts oh no this was before the ghosts had been released this is before but, yeah yes but like ghosts like there's been more and more ghost showings up mm-hmm. ghosts showing up and so this just uh this happened to be a happy ghost <laughs> i'm really happy well like even even in uh like, like this whole movie you know we've, we've talked about how bankman is a sleazeball you know he's hitting on students he visits dana barrett's first apartment and then after she's like she's like i've had enough of your bs by the way the piano when they hit the two piano yeah. they hate this i, I do that every time i can that. same i do that every time <laughs> um you know, he's hitting on her there, you know, hey, what's that? That's the bedroom. Nothing happens in there. What a crime. Um, and then when he visits her, you know, then, you know, he's there and starts hitting on her because she's full of his shit. And, you know, at the end, what? No kiss? Shoves him out the door. And then we get the end when uh, when he sees that she's possessed. And do you want this body? Is this a trick question? You know what? There feels like it sounds like there's more people in you. There's more than one person in you right now. So I'm going to not. Yeah. No, but yeah, movie. there's there's all those innuendos. <laughs> um, yeah, this, I was just think, thinking, trying to think of more stuff about this movie. It's it's got that classic. Com- it's a comedy thing, but it was there's a lot of in the '80s where just like the schlubs, the losers, the nerds, like rise up and beat city hall they beat the squares so that's i think it's a it's a it's a structure it's a story structure as old as time and it just it works it works perfectly so like the story's simple like you don't and that's it's just this yeah the, the nerds beat city hall and like that's kind of all you need and then you can just fill in all the frosting around that and it it's it, it's gonna work nicely i agree it but like that's what i was saying earlier about in this show about how this movie, this movie breaks the mold for those type of movies. Of a, it's a comedy, but in reality, in some minds, it's a scary movie, and because it's mm-hmm. has ghosts in it, but then it's also an action movie with all you know the things. Oh, yeah. Was there uh, any favorite scenes for you guys? I mean, I feel like we just named every scene in the movie. Go on, but no, <laughs> man, I think it's. It's still when they're eating the Chinese food and they get the bell from Janine and she hits the one. buzzer and the, she says we got one. That's the one. That's the scene I've liked ever since I was just a just a wee lad. 
So that's the one that always like makes my heart warm. That's the that's my like blanket scene. <laughs> nice. All right. I know we've I've talked a lot about it. So let's go to the budget, <laughs> shall we? You guys want to take a guess or you guys know? Um I already saw it, so I won't guess. Okay. For uh four point two zero million dollars. Budget was only thirty million. <laughs> And that I'm was a hard really, for 1984. That's a lot of money. Oh, it budget. is. That's why, but like, and that's why the um, the producer, the executive liked the idea, but then uh, Columbia didn't, or Universal won the two, didn't like it because they wanted to have fl- the Ecto one being a flying car, they wanted to go to hell, they wanted to do all these things for the movie. Hey, we're and gonna then, go to hell. That would have yeah, been cool. That was an idea. <laughs> that's just the um, Ted 2, though. That was the idea for three. The yeah. original, if they did a third one, it would have oh, been nice. them going to hell. But they made that in a video game. I digress. Um, by the way, also... No, the, uh, the, the joke for three is that uh, Hemsworth's really hot. Um, <laughs> also, they uh, Paul Rubin was supposed to play Gozer. Nice. In this movie. But nice. he was going. To, but he would have been Ivor Shandor. The ghost building's architect who started the Gozer oh. cult, but he didn't do it. That's why uh, I, we can just say it now that uh, he plays I, uh, Ivo Shandor in the video game to make up for it. Oh, that's cool. Um, which, which, which game? It's Ghostbusters, the video game 09. Who's that for the 360 PS3 era? I think it's Xbox One. Oh, nice. you, you you play yeah you play as a recruit and all the all the ghostbusters came back and voice acted um they had to bribe bill murray by having his brother play the mayor so they can get bill murray to come back to do vankman was it was, was the game good it, oh yeah it's awesome play it here i own it yeah so if you want to borrow you can <laughs> yeah maybe i'll swing by and grab ghostbusters too <laughs> yeah uh, let's go with the gross for this movie. Uh, domestically, it got $243 million. Killed it. Uh, internationally, $53 million. Worldwide, $296 million. Not bad. Not bad. Big money. Big money. So let's go with the box office for uh, June 8th to the 10th of two. Of, I was going to say 2000, but 1984. Yeah. Let's see how many movies everyone has seen here. Mm-hmm. Coming at number 10 in its 12th week with only 1 million, Police Academy. No, I've never seen, seen Police Academy. Academy. Uh, Ooh, number 9. Police Academy? No, it's one yeah. of those important, one of those big ones I've never seen. It is, but then once they made like six more. <laughs> <laughs> it also yeah. like was on TBS constantly back in the day. Oh, constantly, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'll recognize it. Even though I've like never fully seen it, <laughs> the Steve Gutenberg and the yeah. uh, what's his name, Michael the something, the noises. the noises, yeah, yeah. Uh, coming at number nine in its second week with one point two million, Streets of Fire. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. And it's supposed to be a really bad movie. I think Di- uh, Diane Lane's in it. <laughs> um, coming in at number eight within its sixth week with one point two million and some spare change, Breaking. I don't know like, any of these movies. Breaking? It's a like um break in, like it, break break, break in. in. It's, it's a dancing movie. Like oh. Oh. 
Yeah. Step up the prequel. Basically what that meant to be. Uh, coming in at number seven in its 11th week with 1.5 million, Romancing the Stone. It's a Michael Douglas movie. It's yep. like a pirate movie. I remember that movie. Coming in at number six in its fifth week with 2.4 million, The Natural. Okay. Baseball. I, I, yes. Yep. I don't think I've ever actually watched that movie, but I know like the, the premise. Scene, yeah. The blowing out the lights. Roger Redford. There it is. I'm doing bad with this list. Oh, well, hang on. After this one, because I know, Keith, no. This list came out before we were born. <laughs> Maybe Keith. Uh, coming in number five in its first week with 5.2 million. Beat Street. Never heard of it. But here we go. The top four. Ready? Coming in in its second week with 9.6 million. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. That was good. That was very Underrated good. movie. That is probably the second best Star Trek film. Nice. Coming in at number three in its third week with twelve million, Indi- Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm. I mean, I might have seen it. Coming in at number for that one, as far as the trilogy goes, that's Temple of Doom's number one. one for me. Really? Temple of Doom's one for me because it has Dan Aykroyd in it. No, <laughs> it'll be fun to do the Indiana Jones series eventually. One, three, know, it's only three. It's only three movies. Yeah, there's only three of them. Only three. Yep, that's right. Yep. Uh, coming in at number two in its first week with 12.5 million. Gremlins. So that means coming in number one with 13.5 million Ghostbusters. I don't think I've ever seen Gremlins in one viewing, but I think I've seen the entire movie. I am, I'm with you on that. Um, I honestly feel like I'm. The, it's the same way with Gremlins 2. But I, in a weird way, I feel like I've seen Gremlins two more than I have one. And they weren't that, just busting ghosts; they were busting box office records. Am I right? Yes. At, um, <laughs> I told you lately how much I hate you. <laughs> so uh, I'll do a little before we move on. I'll, I'll just say this now: um, Ghostbusters became the. Uh, became a hit surpassing Temple of Doom at the box, top grossing film of the summer, uh, making it the second highest grossing film of 1984 behind Eddie's, Eddie Murphy's Beverly Hills Cop. Dude, 1984 uh, with some banger movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a list here. Um, Ghostbusters was re released in 85 and got 9.4 million over five weeks for it to surpass. Beverly Hills Cop as the highest grossing comedy film ever until 1990s Home Alone. Uh, movies came out in the in, in that time frame. Gremlins, The Karate Kid, Terminator, Nightmare on Elm Street, and The Never Ending Story all came out in 84. Yeah. Wow, what a good year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> also uh ivan reitman wanted to make this movie uh uh the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy he was gonna write it off the book oh interesting and had Ackroyd and murray in discussion for it but Ackroyd sent him the idea of this movie and said let's go with this one instead uh ratings for this movie imdb gave this a 7.8 out of 10 mm-hmm Ron Tomato, all critics gave this a 97. Top critics, 89. And the audience, 88. Keith. Keith. 
What did uh, the is he alive still? Ebert. Roger Ebert is uh, alive and extremely healthy, walking around covered in flesh and bones. He's not like the if 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 uh, Roger Ebert was walking around, then they wouldn't try to capture him in a containment facility. But uh, three and a half stars from Mr. Ebert, and I found a nice little couple sentences here for our Roger Ebert reading series. Ghostbusters is one of those rare movies where the original fragile comic vision has survived a multi-million dollar production. It is not a complete vindication for big budget comedies since it's still true as a general rule that the more you spend, the fewer laughs you get. But it uses its money wisely. And when that ahem monster marches down uh, a Manhattan Avenue and climbs a skyscraper, we're glad they spent the money for the special effects. But yeah, it talks to Rodriguez down with how they kept the, they kept some solid jokes in there while still making it big, which is kind of what we've been talking about. That's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, one last thing before we uh, we're about to glaze, uh, glaze some stars. Uh, the infomercial that they did in the in the movie, the five five five, call us. You know, we're ready to believe you. Reitman made that the first trailer and commercial, but it put a real one eight hundred number on it. <laughs> And people called, and it got one thousand phone calls per minute for six straight weeks. That's and what awesome. it would, and what it would be was Ackroyd and Murray saying, "Sorry, we couldn't get you right now. We're out catching ghosts." Ah, cool. <laughs> that's See, that's great uh, that's viral marketing. marketing. That's like kind of that, that reminds me of like Prometheus, and Prometheus came out and had that weird website thing they made. It's like what Matrix did. Like, yeah. you know, go this website and check what this movie's supposed yeah. to be about. So. All right, boys. Um, are we in glaze or do we want to rank? Nothing really to rank yet. It's the first movie. All right. So we'll, let's rank it here first. So we'll do be- what we're ranking for these series is best Ghostbuster team, best villain, best ghosts, and overall watchable movie. Right now, I think it's all ones. So yeah, let's movie, do. Movie rule looked good. Gadgets were good. Team was good. Ghosts were. Awesome. Pro- probably the best. <laughs> we'll find out. But before, let's go. Let's glaze some stars for Keith's Dirty Donut. Oh, no, let's not bring that group chat thing in here. I'm still Make it scared. dirty. I'm still scarred by the Krispy, Krispy Kreme lube. Just a, yeah, just just a little bit uh, for all you uh, experts out there. This is how the sausage is made. We For hours, we text each other gifts of donuts and uh, lube. Then use lube. Then we, then we show up in the morning, and here, here we are. Use lube.com. <laughs> so, uh, Rick, you're going to release your, your, your glaze? Glaze those stars. All right. So, uh, let's start with Keith. Okay. <sighs> you know, you want I'm- to and do it. No, because I know what you did to mine. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but this movie is like essentially perfect. That's kind of how I described Pred- like Predator 1 was essentially a perfect film. And I still go back and wish I would have given it five stars. But I'm going to give this one four, uh, 4.25 stars. Oh, wow. Oh, 4.5 stars. Oh, he had time oh. to make that adjustment. So I started out at a 4.5, but after talking about it, I've raised myself to four and three quarters. Yeah. There it is. 
Well, I think Rick, you probably knew what you probably had mine down for what it would be. Yeah, it's probably yeah. So, so Rick, what's our average? We are. <laughs> it's five. Tokyo Dome, so Joe gave it a six out of five. You're damn right. If if no, now in the Tokyo Dome, it's six and a half. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, um, but no, it's five. Ghostbusters is my favorite movie of all time. So, where are we at, Rick? That will bring Ghostbusters to a 4.8, making it our highest rated movie. That's crazy. That's of all time. By 0.2, overtaking the previous Fast Five, which was a 4.6. <laughs> that makes me happy. So, yeah. also, so if you take Shaun of the Dead, Fast Five, and Ghostbusters, those are the three greatest films of all time. <laughs> it also means Joe now has three five star rated movies joining predator and fast five <laughs> ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that i have yet to give a movie a five and keith has only given blade runner a five. Oh, oh. oh. joe's just pissed off about blade runner yeah you you, you give blade runner a five but you don't give Ghostbusters a five. Yeah. Something's wrong with you, brother. Something is wrong. I think so this is this... also my highest rated movie now. I don't think I've given something four and three quarters before. I haven't. This is my yeah. highest rated movie now. Yeah, look at us. Good. Good. <laughs> so this brings it in to Ghostbusters. Let's move on to next week's show when we'll be talking about Ghostbusters 2. So let's see if there is a drop or what kind of drop of fanboying will there be for Ghostbusters 2. So you can go to nocellentertainment.com. That's right, nocellentertainment.com, where you can find all of our blogs and podcasts and everything. Keith hey, don't does. forget to tell them uh, if they go and they want a better deal on someone getting rid of their ghosts, they can. We got a sponsor. We got a sponsorship from Ghostbusters. So, oh, do we? Where do, where do they go for that? And go to uh, promo code uh, Pod Save America. Pod. Nope, go to nope. Ghostbusters. <laughs> How about busting pods? You know, <laughs> Bust, put in busting pods. I ain't afraid of no pods. There it is. Uh, that's that's right. Go. That's a better name for our podcast. <laughs> Sorry, next week here on I Ain't Afraid of No Pods, we'll be doing Ghostbusters 2. But you can go to nocellentainment.com. That's right, nocellentainment.com for everything that we do. And all, like always, you can listen to all of our podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you stay out of the goop this week, boys. No one wants to go in the goop. 